Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Peasant Times Dispatch. I am Scoot, and this is the Peasant Podcast. And we have a special guest with us, the anonymous and ever-quoteful Hambone. How's it going, Hambone? Well, it's going pretty well. I was going to sneeze there for a second, but it didn't happen. That's so I'm feeling, feeling good. <laughs> That's good. That's a good way to kick off an introduction to uh, an end to your anonymity. Like, here, here, here you go, world. We are, in fact, two people. Um, one of us sneezes sometimes, so there you go. Yeah, I don't think the uh, the technical prowess required um, to to make another person um, I, like talk. I don't know. I don't think it's possible. I'm, not I'm for not, us, at I'm least. Not, I'm not that good at throwing my voice, also. So yeah. <laughs> it's just not it's not happening. Ventriloquist dummy. Yeah, that's ventriloquism across uh, the internet. It's it's a sophisticated trick. Um, so I guess. For, for people just tuning in, since it's been a while since I've posted a podcast, um, I guess brief introduction to the Peasant Times Dispatch, or maybe the, the podcast. Let me just kind of cue everything up here. Um, on the podcast, I like to talk... Well, when I started the podcast, I was just kind of reading old articles that I had written, and then kind of providing uh, expanded material based on the peasant life. But recently, Hambone and I, you and I, I don't know who I'm addressing here, but anyway, <laughs> you and I have uh, uh, kind of refined the the peasant life down a little more into something that we've been calling dirt Christianity. Um, so Hambone, can you can you can you key up what dirt Christianity is? Like, how would you explain it to, to someone who's listening for the first time? Uh, sure. So I think the. Um kind of the elevator pitch is um it's it's it we're kind of trying to zoom out i feel like the 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 kind of peasant approach that we take is kind of very uh, specifically a catholic lens looking at the kind of life and and philosophy of it um so so we're zooming out and maybe de-emphasizing authority which is kind of the, the 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 primary focus um of how of how uh you know the, the the peasant life makes sense um, and focusing more on uh, just kind of like simplicity, I guess, is probably the, the, the key word. Um, simplicity of what? Like, because that's that's where I always get hung up because I'm all right. How do I define simplicity? I think I even may have written some articles or I, like that was the theme for one of my months was to do simple. But I, I got into a corner. I was like, how do you how do you define simplicity? What are the rules for it? So just what's what's your take on how you would explain simplicity because i always struggle there okay well i think um I'm, i mean in any given facet of your life you're just looking for the the least complicated solution and approach i mean um you know uh yeah i don't know that's a little <laughs> <laughs> All right. not complicated got it um so it's, it's like uh i don't know well, so maybe maybe digging into what we mean by dirt christianity is probably it will the, the simplicity aspect will make itself clear um and i guess in that sense we're almost thinking of like what is the first principle or like what are the what's the least common denominator the the most basic level um of the christian message is that a, is that maybe that maybe a good way of putting it yeah, and I think it pulls an awful lot. I mean, there's there's a reoccurring theme in the Bible of of kind of dirt and ground and planting and, and seeds, um, right. you know, from from dust and into dust is, is kind of how we how we start and how we end. Well, and um, I I think one of the one of the things that we caught on to early on when we were talking about the peasant life was the idea that there's like Christ has two different audiences that he's always speaking to or, or at any given time whenever he's speaking he's speaking to one of these two different audiences the first is what we've kind of called the theologians who are kind of the disciples the people who christ called who are closest to him who he gives who he entrusts with special knowledge and then there's what we've called the peasants which is everyone else yeah um like the masses that's most people who encounter christ like a majority of them were in the peasant category and not in the theologian category. So we're almost saying like, so, okay. So, so from that Christ spoke when he was speaking to the peasant category, most often he was using parables and 
of the parables, like I think many of them, if not all of them, relate in some way to like the language of farming, planting, like peasant things. Yes, yeah, yeah, right. There's, um, you know, a lot of uh, sheep and shepherd, um, farmer. Uh, you know, I think about the vineyard. Yeah, I, you're yeah. right. I mean, I don't, I don't have the number offhand, but it's got to be north of fifty percent. Um, so, so. Um, I, th- I think this idea really took off for us when we trying to, to uh, uh, well, when we connected that dirt language to the Christian practice. And I think what we ended up like where we ended up, or, or at least one of our conversations, was that like we are the dirt. Like when when Christ is talking about the parable of the sower, like there's a farmer strewing seeds of truth around, um, like. We, we are the dirt. We're not the seeds. Like Christ is putting the seeds in us, but we have to make ourselves ready to receive that. And I think that's kind of the, maybe that's the elevator pitch, right? Is that <laughs> we are, we are the dirt and we're trying to receive the truth so that we can be fertile and grow and fruitful. I was, um, I was pulling up my notes from the last time we were talking about this. Um, and, uh, you asked me kind of uh, like what what does it mean kind of for the audience at home or whatever even yeah. though we were just talking to each other um, and the elevator pitch was mind your dirt and the Lord will do the rest that's kind of what we had there yeah I like that um, man so. past, past scoot was, was onto something yeah <laughs> um well we have we, we've had something too where we've talked about I mean there's a lot of a lot of what we're trying to do um is is kind of figure out what's what's different about uh, kind of the average lifestyle today and, and how that might be distancing us from a faith that was very grounded, you know? Yes. Um, both both in the the seasons of the year. I mean, it was very agricultural. You know, uh, most of the feasts are kind of tied um, to, you know, changes in the seasons and, and, and things like that. That's where all the traditions come from. Um, yeah. You know, and people people lived in the same place. For some for, reason, for some reason, forever. whenever I think about um, this seasonality to like the the liturgical calendar and like the feasts and things, I always come back to I, I I don't know why I think of this. It's an offhand kind of piece of trivia that you mentioned like once or twice years ago, but it's like the whole idea of Ember Days. Um, like Ember Days come up on a kind of seasonal basis too, right? Or am I completely missing? Am I am I whiffing on that? Okay, they are they are quarterly. Um, I think they precede major feasts too, but I, I I would call them seasonal. I mean, they're quarterly. Okay. I think there is one per season. Okay, but it, it's, it's kind of oriented around the feast rather than anything else, anything seasonal. Yeah, like I think there's um like there's a Lenten Embertide. Okay. I, my my fascination with off. the um with the 1962 and prior calendar was um was very strong you know five plus years ago but has not uh has not sustained itself um <laughs> so much but yeah that, it is i would say they are seasonal um barring correction from a, okay. from a listener <laughs> right um okay that's that was just a piece of trivia that i was pulling that was not necessarily related so, okay i stand kind of corrected i guess or clarified no, I, I mean, I would say, I mean, the all of the traditions, why we eat the things we eat and, you know, decorate with the things we do, all sorts of folk wisdom was based on the seasonality. Um, if you dig deep, the ridiculous things we do with groundhogs in uh, Puxatawney, Pennsylvania or whatever, that has roots in kind of folk I mean, it was, it, they were, everyone was trying to predict the weather and see what it was like. That I think that has its roots in, um, Give me a second. Candlemas. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, but I, th- I thought you were going a different direction. But yeah, Candlemas. Candlemas is either the same day or around the same time, right? Yeah. So that, that's where all the kind of the, the genesis of all of that. that. has There was like a weather predicting component to that? Or was it just like that's the time of year that everyone's trying to do? Yes. Well, and I mean, it's, it's been like, I can't think of another example, but there were other there were other saints days where, you know, if it was snowing on Michaelmas, maybe, you know, it's going to be a bad winter. Like, there, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. That sort of kind of folk wisdom that, that people built into the calendar um, to kind of try and make sense of things, which kind of brings us in a roundabout way to one of the other things that we like to kind of focus on, um, which is trying to find 
kind of the remnants of kind of the, the, the Catholic roots of a lot of the things we do today and then right. kind of bring them back to the forefront. Um, and, it, and it's an interesting moment to, to kind of evangelize and witness the faith too because people are very confused by Groundhog Day. <laughs> right. <laughs> and being well, able to provide some kind of historical context, uh, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, well, and, and that's one of the things that I think Christianity, as we develop it and kind of as we kind of refine this idea, one of the things that I think it can help with is, uh, yes, there's that kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, authority is there off in the distance as far as like not worrying about things going on in the world. Right, right. You, you are still, you're still kind of uh, shrugging off responsibility for things that aren't yours right you, you know what i mean that that you have no con, no conceivable control over or will ever have any control over right it laser focuses on how am i taking care of my soul and how am i connecting my life with the world because that's i i, I think this is this is a connection that i was just just thinking about as i was speaking was that god didn't just create us he also created the created order the world god is in in control he like sets the stars in motion and the planets and the weather and all of that so like by placing ourselves in the position of the dirt we're as you said kind of earlier we're grounding ourselves we're reconnecting ourselves to the broader picture of creation and we're identifying our appropriate place in that um, and everything else will will flow from that. If we take good care of ourselves spiritually and, and kind of cultivate fertile soil, we will bear fruit. Um, and I think that's maybe that's kind of that you, you could say that that's kind of the, the mission of dirt Christianity is is how can we help people use like use Christianity, conceive of Christianity in a way that is fruitful and not like, I don't know, suffering. <laughs> I, th- I think Christianity, maybe Catholicism specifically, gets a bad rap for uh, being a, a kind of a, a restrictive or penitential or, or kind of a, a difficult kind of life to live. And I guess we're not really saying that it's not difficult, but we, we want it to be, want it to grow and bear fruit. I, I don't know if that makes sense. No, I, I think it does. Well, and I think, um, you know, it, it, I'm not saying it's been a bad thing, but at least in the last hundred years, there's been a big focus on a lot of the spiritual writings um, of kind of some of the great saints in the church. And again, not not denigrating any of that, but a lot of the times the audience they were writing for were, you know, cloistered religious, yeah. um, not not people with, uh, you know, wives and kids. Um, and not to say that, you know, we can't attain some of the same levels of holiness, but I think you can you can sanctify a normal life yes you know what i mean like like the the everyday things you do uh can be offered in prayer um and and there have been things like i know i had a good quote from uh brother lawrence is kind of one of the ones who's a real great example um as far as writing in this area uh it's just it's basically everything you do is a prayer you know what i mean he 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 didn't understand the scheduled prayer time because he was praying all the time you know Uh, because everything he did was prayer so we've got a, a post. So we're recording this on a Friday, but this upcoming Sunday, I've got a guest post from uh, Walter Cantu. Uh, forgive me, Walter, if I have pronounced your name incorrectly. Um, but he's he's got a post talking about uh, Brother Lawrence and kind of that same idea that like, uh, uh, how do we? I guess it's not quite abandonment to, to divine providence. I forget exactly what it was called. And he was like. The practice of the presence of God. So, yes, that's yep. That's what he wrote. Yep, yep. Yeah. So that whole idea of like seeing God in everything, in all of our actions, even in the the little actions of our lives, um, and and that's I think that's a really good kind of reality filter for just viewing viewing how we're going about our lives because it's very easy to kind of burden ourselves with things we can't control like it you know i don't know i i've had days where uh, if it's raining outside it just ruins ruins whatever plan i hadn't had for my day and it's like okay but like that doesn't i can't control that so how can i still get something fruitful out of whatever i'm going to do that day um 
So yeah, that was a. Uh, I'm all about Brother Lawrence. There's another point that I was going to make. What was the? Uh, dang it. Well, okay, so we we can kind of circle back. Uh, yeah. Something something that uh, was interesting to me, and it stuck with me for a long time, is uh, former you know, now deceased uh, Supreme Court Justice Scalia used to have a quote and he would say there's no such thing as a Catholic hamburger, you know, that there's nothing. If, if, if there was a single opinion of his, um, none of them would have changed or come out differently if he wasn't Catholic is what he said. Okay. Um, yeah. And okay. my contention, and again, and again, he's trying to prove a different sort of point. I'm not arguing with him necessarily. Right. Uh, my contention is there is a Catholic hamburger. And if, if you know, if it is your, your job, to make hamburgers if that's your vocation right um and you make like you do it with like your your kind of whole being and you do it as like an act of service and love to your creator i I, not only do i think your hamburger will probably taste better but i think in that fashion it is then like a catholic hamburger instead of like a soulless you know if it's pumped out of a machine or something like that was it you who was sharing about the the baptism of coffee Yes. Yeah. There was a, I can't, I can't remember the Pope offhand, but um, that was another example because of where it came from kind of the, the Middle East, there was a lot of skepticism over whether it was um, kind of a, a safe thing to drink. You know, a lot of people thought it was some kind of satanic beverage or something like that. Um, and there's a quote from one of the popes that, you know, uh, let's baptize this and, and take it for our own. Let me see if I can find it offhand. <laughs> well, and that's, like I, I, that whole attitude applies to a lot of things. I think we we may have been we may have talked about Christmas and had a similar kind of conclusion, where we're like uh, like I don't know. One of the pop culture memes these days is that Christ wasn't actually born on Christmas. But it's like, or, or I, I forget if that was the approach that we took. But it was it, it was something to the effect of like, well, we we can still we can still baptize the day, but. I, I think I'm off the beaten path there. Well, no, I, well, so I know where you're going. So that, well, that, that I would file under the, um, what value is there to doubting, right? Like what, like, what am I gaining by, by doubting what has been a perennial tradition of the church since I think at least the two hundreds, you know what I mean? I can't, I can't date it offhand, but it has, it has deep roots. There've been people who have tried to prove based on, um, you know, some of the things that went on with, uh, John the Baptist and, uh, his father's responsibilities as a high priest. They've tried to date things like that, and they've come up with with Christmas being kind of the date um, of Christ's birth. You know, the current December twenty fifth date. Um, even you know, or, the Orthodox I believe celebrated on the sixth of January. We're we're real close there. You know, like yeah. it's, <laughs> there's um, there's not really an alternate tradition. You know, do they uh, do the Eastern Orthodox? Do they do the the gifts because of the Magi on January sixth, or is that like? No, I believe that is when they actually celebrate Christmas. Oh, wow. Um, uh, that's just, you know, kind of an alternate tradition that kind of grew up um, originally. I, I believe, though. I think that's what they, they consider uh, Christ's birthday, but I could be wrong on that one. All right. Any, if there's any Eastern Orthodox listening, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, well, you made me think now that we're talking about Christmas. Uh, I pulled up the quote that we've saved for a little while from uh, G.K. Chesterton. Nice. Um, the majority of people will go on observing forms that cannot be explained. They will keep Christmas Day with Christmas gifts and Christmas benedictions. They will continue to do it and someday suddenly wake up and discover why. Ooh, I like that. Well, and that's and that's what we're like. Um, I can't help the fact that I'm living in the United States in the year that I am. Right. I'm not saying I should, you know, um, you know burn my house down live in some kind of hovel and try and farm my uh my meager land in front of me you know what i mean it's just that's not that's just not the world i live in right now right um so so we need to take what we do have and to the degree we can you know like like gk Chesterton was talking about pull, pull out like the the roots that are there right the beauty that's there um because if you look at a secular calendar people celebrate saint uh saint valentine's day now do they know what it's about do they know you know what i mean they celebrate saint patrick's day right um christmas easter you know there's a lot of there's a lot of trappings that are there um that that we can kind of pull out if you look at thanksgiving if you look at the actual proclamation of thanksgiving right that that created the holiday from george washington and then was kind of reinforced by uh abraham lincoln those are all about you know they're religious holidays it's a religious holiday it's it's thanksgiving to god right right um so I, I, 
just that's another kind of example of one of the things we're trying to do. We, you know, you need to be rooted in the time and place that you're in. Well, and, right. and and something that we talk about sometimes is that like there's not it's not necessarily that we have to celebrate like the Catholic or the Christian definition of each holiday, but we can celebrate those holidays as a Catholic or as a Christian. Right. No, exactly. And I mean, one of the things so you know, when I was first learning a lot about my faith, I was trying to glom on to as many traditions as I could, even though those that weren't necessarily kind of native to me, right? Like uh, trying to eat certain things on certain holidays and things like that. And I mean, one of the reasons they ate goose or whatever on Easter was because there were geese there. You know what I mean? Like it's it all it all made sense in the context of where they were. And these traditions grew up over hundreds of years, but we don't like, I don't live in that time and I don't live in that place. Do you know what I mean? Like there are, there are a lot of traditions based on different flowers and trees and things like that. But again, you know, America is a young country like that, that didn't grow up here. And it's only recently that we've had kind of an American church, uh, you know, before Vatican II, it was very much, you know, in an Irish Catholic parish or an Italian Catholic parish. Um, So you didn't have kind of the, the authentic uh, Catholic roots here. But but like you're saying, you know, um, you can baptize the holidays you have and the traditions you have, too. Uh, right. You know, there's there's nothing wrong. Like if there's nothing inherently unchristian about what you're doing on Christmas, like if you've, you know, gotten PJs every Christmas for your entire life and you want to do that with your children, you know, there's nothing there's nothing inherently bad about that, you know? Right. That's a, that's a, there's and those are good. Any sort of tradition that you can pass on to your children. Um, is a beautiful thing. And just being able to in- include amongst that the the reason for the season is um, is where you're going to get a lot of value, where you're going to get a lot of kind of cultivating spiritual roots. So it's like, like yes, PJs, but also separately, like, catechize and, and kind of educate about what's actually happening. And But like, you know, not... There's a temptation, at least there has been for me, to kind of overemphasize the reason for the season, and then as a consequence, sometimes like I'll, I'll it will it will take away some of the the joy from it, you know. I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but like uh, you focus you focus on kind of the the traditions and trying to to go deep in, into those, and then you forget to buy PJs on Christmas because that's something that you've always done. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, it is a heavy lift, um, kind of trying to balance everything. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, you want to focus if it's if it's a, a time of year where you're, you know, you've got family coming in from out of town. I mean, you know, you, you kind of want to focus on on the people who are there in the yeah. here and now. Um, so, but try to you know flavor it, flavor it, season it with the the kind of traditions that have those kind of spiritual roots. Anyway, for cultivating spiritual fruit anyway well and i've always felt i mean there have been different instances in my life where people have witnessed faith to me and i have witnessed faith to other people and typically the most efficacious ones are just just kind of the the simplest you know what i mean like people you don't have to put on a great show you know um you can celebrate keep christmas the way you've always kept christmas you know it faithfully but, uh, you know, you don't need to you don't need to put on a grand show um, for a lot of people, you know, just um, if, if your family comes in from out of town and attends a mass and, you know, sees reverence, you know what I mean? There's you don't it's not it doesn't need to be a big show. I think you wrote something the other day about like, you know, just grace before meals and just kind of insisting on just the simple, the simple things like that. Um, you know, one of the things my kids will do, um, and I think it was on the list you shared uh, that started with fish eaters. Yeah. Is whenever there's a an ambulance or something going by, um, they'll say a hail mary, and that's like it's automatic. Like they, they'll remind me. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, and they'll do that. You know, their grand their grandparents are driving them around, or someone else is driving them around, and they'll they, you know they'll do it then too. It's just a witness. Right. Um, it's a thing they are doing, but not necessarily like forcing compliance. Right. It's. I guess maybe for the more strong-willed of your children, they might force compliance. But well, they're forcing my compliance. But I don't think um, neutral yeah. third parties would be subject yeah. to it. Yeah. But I mean, the the, the idea, like my family's not Catholic, so like I'm the only one saying grace when I'm visiting my family. I'm the only one going to mass when I'm visiting my family. But just the fact that I'm I'm, I'm doing that at least it's like a it's it's a basic thing. It's there's something in their heads where they're going like, all right, Scoot's going off doing his thing. 
and one of the things that he does is goes to mass and does prayers before meals. Well, and I'll, I'll say, so kind of in my extended family and in my wife's too, um, there have been a lot of either non-practicing or kind of poorly catechized Catholics. Um, and even, again, like you're saying, just living the normal sacramental life of going to mass and, uh, you know, going to confession. Because then they'll be like, well, why are you going to confession, right? And you can be like, well, I missed mass last week. And they can be like, that's a sin. And then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? It gives you opportunities. Yeah. Just living the normal sacramental life of the church gives you opportunities for evangelization. Right. Um, it, it doesn't have to be, um, like, I don't know. We, we don't all have to be St. Augustine. If, if there's going to be a St. Augustine, like, God's going to raise him up and, and we'll all know who he is. But, um, like, you and I do not have to, like, that's not an obligation that we are burdened with, if that makes any, if that makes sense. Um, which kind of, that, that circles back to the thought that I had forgotten about before, was that, um, like, keeping, it, it's almost like keeping the scope, like having an understanding of this, the scope of what we're doing in proper proportion um like uh, so the specific example that came to mind was like uh, uh devotional practices um again like when i first became catholic i was kind of overwhelmed by the amount of devotions that are out there and i tried to do as many of them as possible because i want I, I wanted to maximize like my my prayer life but i i was doing all of them poorly um, and so picking like one or two and diving deeply into them, ha like I've been able to be more consistent. And so I've been able to get more fruit out of them. And it's that, so in that way, I've limited my scope. I've kind of understood the extent of my capacity and I've tried to do better within, within the, those bounds. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a understanding of our, of our own limitations almost as well. Right. And, and I mean, I think it makes sense too. I mean, would, um, it shouldn't be at the expense of like your responsibilities either. You know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, that was one of the things I, you know, similarly, I, I was raised Catholic, but not, not really catechized. Um, and when I, when I kind of learned, started taking responsibility for my faith and learning more, um, you know, I joined like the Knights of Columbus and things like that, but it would have involved, I, I couldn't volunteer as much as I wanted because it would have involved just not being home for my wife and kids, you know? Right. Um, so it's, it's always kind of that tension between, you know, acts of like, and, that, and that's what I'm saying too, is because a lot of these spiritual writings are written by people who don't necessarily have like those obligations that they have chosen for themselves. You know what I mean? So there's, there's, there's not, there's not that kind of, there's not, they, they, ha they, they have chosen to dedicate their lives entirely in a, spiritual fashion to God without kind of the, the responsibility and obligations, not, not trying to minimize it, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's different. It's different. Um, their time is their own. Yeah. Generally speaking. Um, so it, let's try to get practical then. Like we've kind of, we've, we've kind of done a wandering introduction to their Christian. <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've got some notes if you want me to kind of scan through it. So you, you covered uh, authority pretty well in the beginning and that we're zooming out a little bit. We're not so much talking about spiritual authority, but really just, you know, um, being cognizant of what is actually in your locus of control and only worrying about that, you know, and then trusting the authorities. I mean, it occurs several times in scripture where, where Christ says, you know, um, just, you know, give unto Caesar what's due unto Caesar. You know, it's right. it, there's there are there are there are lawful authorities, um, whether they be good people or not, um, and we're subject to them. That's just the way, you know, things work. Right. Um, so, I'm taking that and like so. Okay, so someone someone has tuned into our podcast. Someone has subscribed. Someone has uh, uh, become a, a wonderful paid subscriber and and is now. Uh, uh, contributing money to the Peasant Times Dispatch. Thank you for that. Now they want, they're listening to this podcast and they're wondering, like, how can I live the ideas of dirt Christianity? What's, what's something that we would tell them that would, that's like day one, here's how you can start. You know, not necessarily Catholic, maybe just considering themselves Christian. Um, 
with their own with you know their, their own devotions kind of unique to whatever denomination of christianity they they subscribe to what's is what, there is there something that's causing you significant anxiety that you have no control over um, for me, a good example would have been politics. That was something I followed very closely and I was very anxious about. Um, but, but whether I participate or not, I don't want to necessarily get into the voting question, but whether I participate or not, my, my concern and anxiety was far in excess of my control. Even if you consider my vote as having, you know, contributed, I was one of, you know, for a presidential election, one of a hundred million voters, you know, so I should have, my concern should be relative to my my influence in that decision. Right. Um, another easy example is sports because you have absolutely. I mean, if you're not playing in the game, <laughs> you have absolutely no impact um, but, on kind of how that turns out. But that can create significant like heartburn and anxiety for people. So those are the two examples I'd probably lean on as kind of early ones as far as um, what we mean when we're talking about authority and kind of uh, just control. So let's it, taking the uh, axiom remove the bad and add the good so we're we've removed the bad we've taken these things that we're anxious about and we're trying to reduce them and reduce the the magnitude uh that they have in our lives what's something good that we can add in um so so then that's where you're you're cognizant of what's within your reach right so uh, something you're already doing, maybe you maybe you're able to do it better now that you've given up kind of the the concern and the the mental headspace for right. some of these other activities, um, whether that's family obligations or work obligations. Um, uh, uh, might I suggest even like like whatever prayer devotions you have, if you yeah spirit spiritual. I mean, you could you could take on something more either you know in your own home or, or at, at church. Um, another example could be something, you know, good works in the immediate community. Um, right, right. You know, not saying that money to some sort of national um, charity isn't a good thing, but uh, being able to actually have a, a, a local effect. Um, right. uh, and that's one of the things that I think gets lost too, is, is you know, um, taxation is not charity. Do you know what I mean? That's That's yeah. the difference between, you know, a Catholic hospital, you know, at least a hundred years ago, I'm not really sure how they function economically now. Um, and, uh, and, and kind of socialized medicine, not again, that's not saying one way or another, I don't get to decide how we run medicine in this country. Hambone, you're making us a political podcast. What have you yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm, I mean, you know, it's, no, I, that, I don't get to control it though. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, it's the, the, the government deciding to do things does not gr- it doesn't have the same local effect as you doing as you deciding to do something so it's it's better to to find uh, a a local way to have an impact uh i mean the corporal and spiritual works of mercy i don't know i didn't really hear of those until they until i became catholic other other kind of christians may have a similar concept or they may just they may understand what i mean by corporal and spiritual works of mercy if you don't know what i mean by that Go ahead and Google them. There's like a list of, uh, it's like seven, seven corporal, seven spiritual, I want to say. Um, but those are great ways. If you're trying to think of like, how can I have some local effect? You know, how, how can I do some local effect good work? Those are ways to, good ways to start. And that's where like giving alms to the poor, I think is a, is a, a, a corporal's work of mercy. Uh, uh, I think that plays nicely into so so one of the other things we've talked about is politics is a good example um and i'll say church politics for those of you honestly whatever church you're probably a member of has some interesting politics i know most of the protestant denominations right now have some interesting things going on too right um but but church politics or, or your national politics um oh gosh i'm trying to remember <laughs> but <laughs> If you if you keep, try try and catch your thought, is it, gone? is it really gone? I think it's I think it's gone. Where were you going? I might uh, you might you might get me back on, I was on track. Say, uh, uh, like that's it's palace intrigue, which we kind of in time. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Well, right. So one of the things that happens is a people seem to forget the the power of prayer, um, which Christ Himself espoused. Um, that is the most effective way for you to have any sort of influence on either of those spheres. Um, and like you're saying before, though, a lot of the palace intrigue stuff, whether it be with, you know, 
your president, prime minister, or pope. Um, you, you have no you have no input on that. You know you have no control. And there's a lot of people who are constantly fretting over how you know this particular appointment is going to play out and that sort of thing. Right. Um, but but honestly, you know, at a certain point, you just need to trust God. And and if you and if you're worried about it, the most effective thing you can do is pray. You know, if you, if you don't have if you're not in some position where you know you're a in the House of Representatives, if you're in the United States, or you have any sort of like formal uh, authority, the, the, the most effective way. It, so that is what you do with that concern and anxiety is you is you put it to prayer and and try and put it to rest. If there's any uh, members of the House of Representatives listening, uh, get in touch. I would love to interview you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's 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 200 years ago. We would receive a letter in the mail that said, "Oh, we've got a new pope." It's like, oh. Like okay, like that, we, there wouldn't be all this buildup and all this anxiety about. Yeah, I don't even think you would have heard uh, yeah, in right. the mass. It, it, you wouldn't even heard his name in the mass because I'm pretty sure that was um, done silently back then. So right. So it's just it's there's all these things that the information age lets us worry about, and that we're we're these things that we're aware of, these resources that we know. Like that's that's this is kind of the, the other piece um, was that like. We can read, you know, a thousand books, but um, are we are we praying any better? Are we kind of loving our neighbor any better? Are we loving God any better? Like, at some point, I, I I think you kind of kind of we're headed in this direction. At some point, everything that we do has to terminate an act of trust in God. Um, and you know, we can we can do a fair amount for ourselves, but at some point, we just gotta kind of. There comes there, there's a limit to what we're capable of, and beyond that limit, we have to trust in God. And I think exploring it, recognizing that limit, and knowing where where to stop and where to begin trusting, is kind of it's. I I know it was uncomfortable for me when when I was kind of exploring this, um, and I I know it's like a difficult muscle to flex, but it's a very important one I think. Yeah. So we're moving on. I have my. Uh... I have my little list here of kind of the big ideas that we were talking about when we were trying to figure out what, what we meant when we were talking about dirt Christianity. Um, and the second one, the kind of header is fasting. Um, and that's, that's kind of what you're touching on and not just in kind of the typical sense where we're talking about food, but um, in t- today's age, unlike any before it, you know, the, the problem is a problem of abundance. You know, um, yes. people are not, I mean, I'm sure there are people starving to death, but a lot of the times we're, we're eating ourselves to death um, or, you know, the uh, anxiety is through the roof because of an information overload. Like you, you were kind of yeah. talking about is it you have a, you have everything at your fingertips. Right? Um, right. And then we've kind of commercialized a lot of what can be natural desires um, and they've been sort of weaponized against us. We'll use food as an example, but I'm sure everybody can think of other ones. Right. Where, um, you know, if something crunchy is delicious, then we've got food scientists who have figured out how to make like the perfect potato chip or something um, to the point where, where you know, your, your body doesn't want to stop. Right. Right. So the, the, we're talking about the things that we consume. Right. Whether that be things we consume with our eyes or, or otherwise, um, they can consume us. Right. So so it's, it's being cognizant of what something is doing to you and for you. Um, you know, I've got a couple different websites blocked on my phone just because they were awful for me. Um, one of them was just a news website and it's, you know, it was all kind of doom and gloom, uh, information. Uh, I'll be honest too. I blocked Reddit just because it was kind of a just insane time suck. And I was, I was, um, just neglecting my, my actual duties in the world. This is, this is actually, you, 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 Touching on the social media angle is timely because kind of the hubbub around Substack notes the last couple of days has been that um, uh, uh, threads, the introduction of, of threads with uh, uh, Instagram or Facebook or Meta um, has been kind of the new it's, it's, the, it's the newest thing. And it's kind of the, 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 the Twitter, the Twitter killer. And um, there's this whole kind of social media firestorm going on. But it's like to anyone contemplating using threads, like first, like, what is it, what is it really doing for you? Is it increasing your anxiety? Is it increasing your exposure to things that aren't productive or helpful? Is it, um, 
is it helping you in any way like if if your intent in using these things is spiritual like is it actually reaching people um i think that's a good I, that that's just a good reflection overall in any kind of spiritual endeavor is it actually accomplishing what you want it to accomplish um and then then just kind of reflect on on whether to pursue that kind of in, in light of your answers to those questions social media has the ability to to kind of weaponize that information overload and so just being able to step away from that has been a big thing and i've i've seen a lot of people on substack talking about how they have walked away from social media except for substack but substack is almost is is has a slightly different flavor to it it's not uh, i i was going to say i think it's unique in that um, you are not the product yes exactly you are not the product um, and and there's there's not the same incentive structure to just be ridiculous and bombastic um, oh even, even though uh, uh, certain uh, uh, substack personalities who may or may not go by the name of scoot have been maybe uh, outrageous and bombastic but well you, you know what I'm saying though like yeah. more like um, oh gosh I can't explain it. like politics is a good filter for it like people just go off the rails you know it's the end of the world like this person's the antichrist like that sort of stuff right um, I don't think it encourages that sort of thing the same way that you know like yeah. not like the clickbait kind of yeah kind it, of stuff I, you I, can I, be silly people can be silly the best description I've seen is it's it's the back rooms to everyone's kind of uh, newsletter like everyone they, they hit publish and then they hang go over to notes and just kind of hang out with other writers also publishing stuff so well um, and i honestly i see it kind of as notes too like i yeah. if i really like a quote i post it and then i have it saved in my notes and it's a note like you know like some other people <laughs> might like it too but like for me it's kind of a documentation of like i thought this was really interesting you know no oh, that's uh, that that is a, a effective uh, uh, use for notes, and it has added to the mystery around uh, uh, Ham Hambone, whoever whoever that may be. Yeah, because I'm well, right. I could just be an AI pulling uh, interesting quotes out of the ether. So. Right, Ham Hambot the the quotes. Yeah. But um, yes, uh, so, social media. So Substack is slightly different, but social media in general, um, lots of uh, uh, it just it. It's designed to sink you into it, so, kind of pull you in, and uh, uh, not be quite as as productive as, as we want it to be. Right, and it's abusing the same. It, it you know it's abusing the same sort of uh, dopamine and pleasure pathways in your in your brain. I mean, it's do you know what I mean? It's 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 supposed to be addictive. Um, so that would be an example of something you know uh, you should try and regulate in your life and, and yeah. try and make sure you have control over. That's that's I think a good way of putting it that it's it's about self self regulation on the what things are within the sphere and self limitation for things outside the sphere. Well, you know, and I think alcohol is a good example too. There are some people who have realized that the right amount for them is nothing, you know. And then there are people who you know, whether it be genetic or or what, are just okay, you know, just having a normal amount, you know, every once in a while, not not going off the rails but it's kind of knowing your own limits and your own kind of proclivities so. right i think i think would it be fair to say that the beginning of this whole kind of dirt christianity ideal is first self-understanding yes and i think it's i think part of it too is not holding yourself a responsible for all these things that aren't your responsibility but also like to some kind of ridiculous standard if that makes sense too you know what i mean especially especially when you're kind of uh starting at the bottom of the mountain um giving yourself kind of the grace and understanding that you're going to stumble occasionally right that's that's important like there's no kind of perfection or purity test to what we're talking about when we're talking about kind of christianity it's kind of an acknowledgement of our humanity and our fallenness and we're, right, you, you, you don't get um, you don't get canonized for. Well, you're not supposed to get canonized. I think historically they wait at least a hundred years, but in any case, you don't get canonized until you're dead. You know, so <laughs> so right. you've got you've got some time, God well, willing. And, and you can't sanctify yourself by by your reading list. Like I think that's something that I really uh, uh, fell not victim to, but I, I succumbed to. I guess that I was like, man, I got to read all this stuff because the reading list itself is going to make me holy. And it's like that's 
That's that is not what saying that is not how you become sanctified. It can help. But right. No, it, it can help. But right, there are um, there are plenty of uh, literate people in heaven. Yes. Amen to that. Um. All right. So, I, I see now that we've hit we've hit about kind of forty six minutes in this wandering production <laughs> of dirt Christianity. But any so so kind of like with the mind towards kind of wrapping it up. What um, any final thoughts? Any notes that we didn't hit that you had? Um, okay. So kind of as general principles we've got uh, authority and control i consider them i mean if it's not your concern it's someone else's so i consider them intimately tied yeah um we had kind of the the roots principle like kind of um existing in the here and now where you are um you know uh, russell and i both i mean i can mention the orthosphere um but yeah. it's a blog and and you know it's got a couple different commentators on it and one of them had made kind of a good observation about um you know, the dangers of kind of LARPing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like live action role playing where you're just taking the trappings of, you know, some point in history, but it, you can't like, it's the, the moment is past. Do you know what I mean? You, you can't, uh, you can't once kind of the line is broken, you can't, you can't, it's very difficult to revive a tradition without it being more of kind of a, a LARP, if that makes sense. Right. I'm, I'm probably botching this a little bit, but, but exist in the here and now, baptize what you can pass on what you can you know um that's kind of the roots principle uh and then we had kind of the fasting you know uh, broadly considered and then uh let me see we had five i think you put five pillars together authority simplicity locality consistency industry um and kind of our wrap it up was uh, getting yourself out of the way uh, of worship so yeah yeah i think that's that's a that's a good uh one line summary of all of this like yeah just get yourself get yourself out of the way of worship if if you're not praying start well and you're you're not the protagonist of the story is another way we would say it um you know we we're the you know we're, we're the dirt i'm you know <laughs> right uh salvation history you know i'm 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 a very infinitesimal little little speck of sand in that in that story jesus, um, jesus is the one walking around on the dirt scattering the seeds of truth we just have to receive it and then fruit will grow yeah well put all right well i, I probably I, I should close it off there before i say anything else and, and, and ruin that so okay well i'm out of wine too so okay yeah uh, that's well yeah I, I forgot to do this at the beginning what were you, what were you drinking uh, I looked at the box because I had a feeling you would ask me. Yeah. Um, but it's a uh, 2021 vintage uh, mm. Kirkland signature from Costco. Uh, Cabernet. So. <laughs> Verily, I say you have saved the good wine at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. It's pretty good. It's like, uh, I think it's three liters in a box. It's like 14 bucks. So. That's why well, I hope you didn't go through the whole thing while we were talking. No, no, no. It was a, it was a healthy glass. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I had I had a healthy glass of uh, this is an Ardbeg, Corey Vrecken is the name. It's basically like drinking an ashtray. It's it's wonderful. Oh, <laughs> it's it's an it's an Islay single malt Scotch whiskey. For um, uh, any any Scottish people who may or may not be listening, if I've mispronounced that, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I like it. That was I went through an Ardbeg phase. Uh, uh, a little bit ago and then bought everything and then i realized that if you buy anything more than the base level then it's just ashtrays so it has not been <laughs> has not been as fruitful as i thought it would be that was that's a limitation that i should have made for myself so okay i'm not sure how many quotes i had this this time i got one more uh, kind of to close lay it on me um, i uh, i posted it in notes the other day but i think it was a comment on somebody else's note and those get lost pretty easy but uh, it was Diogenes. What I like to drink most is wine that belongs to others. <laughs> yeah, I, I did see. <laughs> but I just think that's funny because that's one of the, you know, that's a very, you, you hear like, it's kind of a dad joke, like the you know, right. best beer is free beer or whatever. Um, and it's just nice to know that that's got some uh, some deep roots, you know. <laughs> People aren't that different. How, how, how long ago did Diogenes live? Was that, like, he was... Pre, he's pre-Christ, right? So that's a, a, yes. more than 2,000 years ago. Yeah, let me see here. Uh, died in Corinth, 323 BC. 
So 300 years before Christ, we were drinking other people's beer. So that's yeah, that's right. That's well, that's the that's the best beer. You know what I mean? That's exactly. He didn't say cold though. I don't think they had refrigeration. So. Okay. Well, that's that's. I don't know. Well, I don't think he was drinking beer either. Probably wine. Yeah, in Greece, he would have been drinking wine. Right. Anyway, Hambone, thank you for this inaugural podcast. I know everyone on the Peasant Times Dispatch is excited to to hear your voice and learn that we are two different people. Um, presumably, right? I, I guess this could be faked with some sort of sophisticated technology. So. You're some kind of some kind of quote generating AI and, and boxed wine. Yeah, um, you should uh, be getting paid a lot of money if um, you know. I think I'm pretty impressive for some sort of artificial intelligence. Yeah, you you hear that, subscribers? <laughs> <laughs> no one else has Hambot. Pepsi's <laughs> Dispatch has Hambot. That's true. So, yeah. But thank you. Hopefully, I. I I feel good about this. I think, I hope everyone likes it. And um, if people listening, audience, Peasant Times Dispatch, peasants, whatever I refer to you as, um, if you like this, tell me. I would love to do this again, but I don't know that you guys like it if you don't tell me. So leave a comment, leave a like, subscribe, share it with your friends and family, share it with John Ward, who was wondering whether or not Hambone is a different person. Everyone, everyone send him, tag John Ward, and tell him that Hambone and Scoot are different people. That's um, true. And just flood his inbox. Let's let's not not dox. Don't dox him. But whatever, DDoS. Anyway, don't do that either. <laughs> I've talked too much. I think. Uh, I don't know. Well, I wish to. I'm thinking about it. Like, there's no. Um, you know, if this had somehow been live, we could have had the ambiance of it being incredibly late at night on a Friday. Um, but but people are denied that because this is recorded and can be listened to at a more reasonable hour. And you're an AI anyway, so that's true. I don't sleep. So. Right. So anyway, um, thanks again, Hambone. I, I appreciate being able to talk in intro dirt Christianity, and we'll see what we get from this. And and I'm sure we'll talk again, and hopefully have a little more structure. I I did not take notes, so so I appreciate that you took some. <laughs> Well, I don't know. We've, we've done something. Uh, we've been talking for a long time. And a lot of the times we just kind of will have a conversation and then it'll kind of slip through our fingers as time passes. So I've been trying to get a little bit better at taking notes. So. Well, and, and you've been post you've been using notes for notes. So exactly. Notes are notes. So. All right. Well, we'll close it here. Thank you, Hambone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you next time on the Peasant Podcast. Good night. All right, good night.